this year. Uh, this has been a wild ride, folks. I don't know if uh, I want to do this ever again. Uh, this has been one of the craziest 370-day uh, periods of my life and many of your lives as well. And we've all gone through some craziness, but uh, I've asked Ryan to come join me because I, I want to give you a response to what has been going on. Okay, we see in Luke, okay, chapter 25, that Jesus is getting ready to be captured, all right, and taken away and crucified. And so we as Christians tend to uh, put ourselves in Jesus' spot and we go, we are going to do Jesus' work for Jesus. So the people come to arrest Jesus. And so immediately Peter takes out his sword and cuts off Jesus' ear, okay? Now, not Jesus' ear, <laughs> he cuts off the man's ear, okay? Immediately Jesus yells, stop this madness, stop this. And he picks the ear up off the ground, puts it back on the man who is going to arrest him, who's probably absolutely perplexed what's going on and then Jesus gets led away and then ultimately crucified and all of that thank you Ryan we won't crucify you today but what's happened here is a lot of times in situations we take God's place God's going I have a plan if you can't trust me okay then you become Jesus so the second you decide to pull out your own sword and take on your own battles you have decided that you are better God for yourself than Jesus is and it's important that you sit back and go I'm not Jesus okay Jesus isn't afraid of what's going on in America okay Jesus isn't up there going I hope those Americans figure it out because I've been counting on them He's going, I hope Christians figure it out because I'm counting on them. He's counting on every one of us not to lose our minds and do things that are unscriptural. Okay? We're supposed to be people of prayer, people of peace, people that understand the difference between right and wrong. Amen? All right. That's, that's, that's free for today. Okay? That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. But this has been a wild ride. I don't want to repeat uh, 2020. I don't even want to repeat the first 10 days of 2021 either. Okay. It's almost like 2020 was bad. And then, you know, 2021 was like, here, hold my beer. I'm going to show you how we do this. Okay. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a part of any of that. You know, a few years ago, it reminds me of a story. A few years ago, my wife and I were flying from Orlando to Phoenix for a conference. And uh, we get on the plane and sitting across the aisles, this woman, and she's starting to tell the story, and I'm super nosy and intrigued about what's going on. So at one point, I finally leaned over. I was like, do you mind repeating what you just said? I'd love to hear this, because this sounds crazy. She's like, well, yeah, I was on a princess cruise, and we were on our seven days, and we were on our fifth day, and on the fifth day, the ballast of the ship, the part that tells the ship that it is vertical, the computer had a glitch and said vertical was 15 degrees. So the ship, out of nowhere, while she was sleeping in the middle of the night, pitched itself 15 degrees, throwing her and all her belongings out of her bed. And she is now standing on her balcony. 
Okay, so water's down there. She can see the water. She's standing on her balcony, and they couldn't right the ship back up, so it took them a day and a half to sail back in this position with the whole world is doing this number here. Okay, and we're on that flight. I'm like, wow, man, that woman's got some bad luck. That would be horrible to happen. Well, she gets up about two hours into the flight. She goes to the bathroom. While she's in the bathroom, the stewardesses are passing out everything. Everything seems to be fine. Out of nowhere, we hit a natural phenomenon called a microburst. It's a vacuum in the sky. And it pulls us down about 200 feet in about three seconds. Stewardesses ram their heads against the ceilings. Drinks are everywhere. People are screaming. And this woman's in the bathroom. She finally flings the door open and declares to the whole plane, this is my fault. <laughs> God wants me dead. I turned to my wife. I'm scared to death at this point. I was like, we are not getting anywhere near that woman. God is trying to get her off the earth. But let me tell you something. If God wanted her gone, she'd be gone. If God can't handle it, then he's not big enough to be your God. God can handle anything, okay? It doesn't matter if your ship's going to fall over. It doesn't matter if your plane's going to fall, okay? Jesus has got you covered, all right? There's nothing to worry about there. And I want to make this proclamation over every one of us this year. 2021 will be the best year of your life if, there's a caveat, if it's the best year of your life spiritually. It will be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. Now, many times at the beginning of the year, we reflect on the last year, and then we go, hey, we're going to change some things going into the new year. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Nobody. <laughs> oh, we got a couple here and one up there. Thank you. Everybody else is perfect and has the world figured out. We're going to sit next week. They will be on stage, and we will learn from them. Okay, so they are not changing anything. But do you know this, that 80,000 people were studied over a 10-year period of time, and most people quit on their New Year's resolution by January 19th, also known as Quitter's Day. Okay, so we're just around the corner from Quitter's Day. And the point of making a resolution, okay, is to try to change aspects of our life. A lot of times we try to change behaviors or attitude problems or we want to advance. The problem is, is when you're trying to make behavior modification or behavioral changes, that's not really what you need. What you need is an entire transformation, okay? And you can't change yourself by yourself, Okay, how do I know the best year of your life will be the best year of your life spiritually? Because it says this, okay, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That doesn't sound very productive. Let me help you translate what's going on here. Jesus says, if you try to do this thing yourself, you try to change something, a little something about yourself, you're going to kill yourself. 
Okay, as a matter of fact, there are religions around the world, okay, no matter where you go, you're going to hear thousands of religions around the world that talk about a better path, a better way of living. Jesus is the only one who says, I am the way, the life, and whoever comes to me, okay, will be born again. Okay, he has this conversation with Nicodemus. In the New Testament, it's like, you need to be born again. Now, we know that that is a physical impossibility. We know that you're not going to go back into your mother's womb and walk back out a new creation. As a matter of fact, I know this to be true. If that were the fact, there would be no Christians on earth. I don't know any mother who'd be like, yeah, come on back. I loved it. We'll do it again. Okay? That's not what's happening. What's happening is Jesus is trying to tell you and every one of us that he knows what is best for you and that he can transform your life. And if you are willing to give your life over to him, he will change you from the inside out. Okay? It says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. When your spiritual life gets better, all of you gets better. You're like, Daryl, how do you know that? Because this last year is perfect example. Last year, 2020, was like hell on earth. For many of you in this room, it was not a fun year. There were bad things happening. Look, folks, we had bad things happen. Then we added bad things. Like our church wasn't just satisfied with just bad things. We took it to the next level. We're like, oh, yeah, Corona, we'll raise you. Church scandal. <laughs> We're going to bring hell on earth. Okay, so what, ha what happens here is that when you get into these predicaments, okay, you have one of two situations happen. Either you're growing through it or you're dying because of it. And I have grown more spiritually in the last year than I did in the first 19 years of my spiritual walk. Why? Because I learned how to trust Jesus, but it didn't happen on accident. I had to choose to grow my life spiritually on purpose. Okay? When your spiritual life gets better, everything gets better. Instead of trying to focus on details, you know, this series this month is going to be focused on getting everything all your spiritual things in alignment, okay? So then we're not just trying to change one behavior. We're trying to recreate a new transformation in you, a different human being by the end of 2021. How many of you would like to be sitting next to somebody different at the end of 2021? Thank you, Randy. Okay, wants to be sitting different. You can do that. You can become a different person. All it takes is a little bit of time and the right combination of a spiritual diet and God will transform who you are. But it has to happen on purpose. It doesn't happen by mistake. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, Come near to God, purposeful, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Clean it up. You double-minded. Okay? It will... God himself will draw closer to you if you draw closer to him. It's very simple, and I've put it like this my whole adult life, and I've taught thousands of people, okay? What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. 
What you feed grows and what you starve dies. That's the easiest way to learn about your spiritual life. What you feed in your spiritual life, it grows. And what you starve dies. Okay? There are so many people plagued by so many problems. You know, one of the things that, that people struggle with, pornography and all that kind of stuff, they don't realize that if they feed it, it grows, and if they starve it, it dies. But they also don't realize this about pornography. Okay? Lust promises what it can't deliver. Some of you guys need to write that down, put it in the back of your head. Lust promises what it can't deliver. You think it'll make you feel better. It won't. It's a lie. If you put God first, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. It's not just a challenge to change external habits. It's not like we're going around going, hey, this year we want you to be a good person. Go and hug a homeless person. No. That's not what we're asking. We're asking you to literally transform your spiritual life so that you know why you're hugging a homeless person. Some of you have been Christians so long, okay, and you don't realize why you're even supposed to do what you're doing. You're like, well, the pastor said, I'm not Jesus. People will ask me the craziest questions. I'm like, if I answer that, I am Jesus in your life. And they're like, Pastor, I just want your opinion. I'm like, no, I'm not giving you my opinion. You're going to use that as a gospel, and then you're going to go home and tell somebody else, and then I'm going to cause a fight. And I'm saying these things based off of what I believe. So here's what we're going to do. For the next 21 days, we're going to do a 21-day challenge. Okay? 21-day challenge. We've got these fancy little books here. Here's what it is. It's first a Bible study. You're like, I don't know how to do a Bible study, hence the book. <laughs> so the book is for, okay? I don't know how to pray. The book, okay? The book's going to help you pray for those 21 days, okay? We're going to dedicate 10 to 30 minutes every day to prayer, okay? We're going to take time to study the Bible more than one of two weeks, okay? You know, the average Christian only spends three days in their Bible combined their entire life. Whoo! I hope that's not on the entrance exam. How many days have you read the Bible? Um, it's in here. Okay, most of your experience with the Bibles, you know, are at hotels when you're trying to find a place to plug something in. Like, Get that thing out of my way. Okay, so we're going to spend 21 days in prayer. We're going to spend 21 days in Bible reading. Then we're going to do a 21-day fast. Okay, a fast is where you take something out of your life Okay, to focus on God. Okay, it can be a meal. It can be based around food. That's, some people do that. Okay, some people, it can be social media. Some of you just need to give up social media for 21 days. Some of you, it's crazy what you worry about, like what you text me about. You're like, Pastor, can you believe what they wrote? I'm like, yes. They're like, well, how? I was like, because they're dumb. Did you see what they wrote yesterday? Oh, man, Pastor, you should call them. No! I'm not going to call them and start some sort of war. Then they're going to plaster it on Facebook. Okay? Here's the thing. Back in the day, some of you are not going to believe this. I was born in 1979. I made it all the way to 2005 without social media. 
I didn't actually have to care what anybody else said. I just wake up and go to school. Somebody be like, I don't like you. I'm like, I don't like you either. That's how we dealt with it. And we moved on. We didn't care. Now everybody's like, did you see that? Can you believe that? Get off of it. If something is killing you spiritually and you willingly put yourself in front of it every day, at one point or another, it's called your fault. Okay? You don't need to clap. I knew it was good. Okay? If you continue to look at it, if you start a fight, you pull out your sword on Facebook, or you think you are God's defender on Facebook, and you haven't read your Bible that week, don't tell me what somebody wrote. Because Jesus isn't worried about what they're writing on Facebook. He's worried about you. He really doesn't care. You're like, well, their Twitter account, you should see what they did. I was like, their Twitter account is their actual account of their life. And if you thought they were going to heaven before, I don't know what made you believe that. Stop it. Stop feeding yourself these things. Starve it and it will die. A fast is giving up something so that we can pursue God. Maybe some of you join our staff. We're doing a 14-day Daniel fast where you only eat fruits and vegetables. Okay, and then a seven-day liquids-only fast at the end. This is not the way to start, okay? If you've never fasted, don't jump in and with us on this one. Don't be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You'll die. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, this is, we've done this before. We walk, you know, there's a lot of accountability. Look, go through this book. It talks about several different ways you can fast, but I'm telling you, for most of you, it's as simple as giving up some sugary item. Stop going through a drive through you know, for a month. Okay, stop doing that, you know. M many of us, you're, you're in this place anyway. You have COVID-19. You found the 19 part. It's pounds, okay? <laughs> I have it, okay? Don't be, don't be shocked if you see me dead, okay? I'll tell you exactly what happened. I go through a drive through almost every day. It's either McDonald's or Taco Bell. I will die from one of those two things. So don't be like, I can't believe Pastor died. No, we know exactly what happened. His blood type was Mexi-Melt, and he died. <laughs> okay? I want us to pursue God in 2021 to make it the best year of our lives spiritually. Okay? In its simplest form, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. I challenge you to join us, every one of you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You can do anything with Jesus. Your attitude determines how you will succeed in this endeavor. You can't go into it being like, well, the pastor asked me to fast, and I don't think I can do it, so I'm, I'm not going to. That's not going to work. You're already like negative Nancy, okay? Just be like, I can do this. Try it. You're like, it's 21 days. When I told my children, uh, we were driving back from Florida uh, this past weekend, when we were driving back, it's a 17-hour drive, and, you know, we asked them a million questions on that way, and it's amazing. They can't hear anything uh, from three feet away. 
But the second we started talking about fasting, my wife and I were like, well, what are the kids going to do? Okay, and they're like, well, we'll have them give up sugar for 21 days. My youngest son, immediately, out of nowhere, his hearing, he was healed. Okay, it was incredible. He's like, what are we doing? We're giving up sugar for 21 days? Does that include soda and cookies? Because it sounds like sugar's in a lot of stuff. I was like, yeah, buddy, we can do that. He's like, okay. All right, if it's for Jesus, Dad. Like, yes, it's for Jesus. Anytime we introduce a new concept to somebody, man, it's like introducing vegetables to children. It doesn't work out very well. They tend to say they don't like things even before they try them. Okay, you're like, I'm going to hate fasting. I'm going to hate being off social media. Maybe you won't hate it. Maybe your marriage will get better because you actually look at your spouse. You know, back in the day, I know I talk about this a lot, but back in the day, we didn't have a phone that you could, like, cover your face with. We made it a long time with, you know, the phone rang and one of 18 people could answer it. Well, not in White Houses, there's one of six, but in Hispanic homes, one of 18 can be <laughs> there, and you had to be like, hello, who is this? Who are you calling for? No, they don't want to talk to you. Bye. And you're like, what did you do? I wanted to talk to them. You can survive without these things that you keep teaching yourself that you need, and they're getting in your way of your spiritual life. If you want to really want to know what's dumbing down the, your brain cells, it's the lack of thinking about something else. You're just spending time browsing the Internet, doing whatever. So what's the attitude we need to approach this with? I want to talk about a guy named Hezekiah. He was king of Israel, and his father, Ahaz, was a king of Israel as well, before him. His dad was a terrible king. Okay, his dad came in and literally came in and shut the doors of the temple, the church, shut it down. Now, back in those days, the only way you could hear or feel the presence of God was to go to church. God legitimately lived there. Not only that, he set up idols and worship places all over Israel and had people sacrifice to these foreign false gods. This man was so heinous, he sacrificed most of his own children. Hezekiah made it. Most of his own children were sacrificed to these idols. And we don't know what causes Hezekiah just to be like, I don't want to be anything like my dad. There's nothing written in there. We don't know if... He just wanted a drastic change or he didn't want to be anything like him or he was just fed up with it. Maybe, maybe like many of you, you're just fed up with 2020 and 2021 already. You're like, I want something to change. Well, if you do the same thing you did last year, you're going to get the same result. So you've got to start something new. You've got to try something else. Hezekiah comes in and he does something completely different than his dad. Here's what it says in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. It says this, In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple. In the first month, what I love about that is we're in the first month. We're in January. He opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He allowed the people to go back and worship. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side. Okay? He reopens the church. 
And he allows people to go in and start worshiping. This is an uncomfortable feeling for a lot of people. They've never done it before. They live through an entire king who's like, you can't do that. You might be sitting here, you're like, I've never been to church before. You might be watching online going, why were you guys singing some nutty song about rattled bones? That was weird. You all were stoked. You'll get it. It's a good story. Read your Bible. Okay? Back in the time, you had to go to the temple. Now you are the temple. The presence of God dwells in you. When you become a Christ follower, Jesus lives inside of you. And here's what we have to do with our own temple. Let's read on in 2 Corinthians chapter 29, verse 5. It says this, Listen to me, Levites, church people, okay? Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord. Consecrate is a fancy word that means devote yourself. So it could read like this, devote yourselves now and devote the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defilement from them. Okay, devote yourself. Devoting yourself means putting God first. You have to put God first. How many of you know that God has taken a backseat in almost every area of our culture? Okay, again, I jump back to my old school roots. I remember praying in school. Okay, and it doesn't just happen overnight. The erosion of that doesn't happen. It starts in where? Not in the government. It starts in the home. When you become Bible illiterate, so do your children. You reproduce who you are, not what you want. You reproduce who you are. If that were true, my kids would be scholars. If I just reproduce what I wanted, like my kids are golden children. They're going to score 17,000 on the SAT. That shows you how smart I am. Okay, getting rid of some stuff, defilement, remove the defilement from the sanctuary, your temple, getting rid of some bad habits. Man, the reason I made fun of the drive through kingdom that I live in Okay, it's because I need to remove that stuff from my life. Okay, that way somebody can hold me accountable and be like, Pastor, I saw you in a drive-thru. I put it up on Facebook for everybody to see. You need to stop. Do what, what would Jesus do? WJD, go get your bracelet. Okay, put it back on. Okay, fasting, getting rid of some stuff, bad habits, junk you're holding on to. Your social media, just surfing the web is just taking up your family time. You don't have dinner as a family together. Try that. It's incredible. You know you can do it on more than Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's crazy. They'll let you do it any day. Okay. Many of us are holding on to things that we didn't do, but that happened to us. We didn't cause them. We're not the cause of them, but they happened to us. They happened to us from our fathers or, or our past or whatever it might be. And Hezekiah deals with this as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 29, it says, Our ancestors were unfaithful okay, and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place, and they turned their backs on him. We just talked about, man, what happened to 1980 school where you could pray? Somebody started turning their back. And in order for an entire culture to change, it starts with one individual not running their mouth on Facebook. 
opening their heart up to God and going, God, change me. Change me. Make me the example. Make me the example. Make me the guy you want me to be. My hope, my prayer, Ryan, you can join me. For this church, in this next chapter, as we're going forward, is this in Second Chronicles chapter 30, the next chapter over, Hezekiah says this, at the same time, God's hand was on the people in the land, giving them one heart, one heart, all of us, one heart to obey the orders of the king and the officials who are following the word of the Lord. The NIV says it this way, also in Judah, the hand of God was on the people to give them unity of mind to carry out what God, what the king and his officials had ordered following the word of the Lord. The secret to unity, to all of us seeing a great move of God in our own church is humility. The secret to unity is humility. Unity follows humility. And a lot of times when when we hear that word humble or we we hear that guy being, you know, he's very you know, uh, humble, a guy who wants to blend in or he'll take a back seat or he's kind of the all shucks type of person. That's not what biblical humility is. Biblical humility is where humility equals submission. And submission means turning your heart over to God and going, God, you're first. It kind of goes back to wearing those bracelets. We're not going to do that. What would Jesus do? Asking yourself that question. What would Jesus do? Before you act, what would Jesus do? Submission, meaning I'm going to do, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to let God do his part, but I'm mostly going to let Jesus be in charge of everything. If we truly want to be united as a church and make a huge difference in this city, if you want to be a church that is different than every other church, stop talking about Christianity and start living Christianity. There's a huge difference. When Jesus shows up on the scene, there were tons of God-fearing people that went to church, tons. And he still had to come. And he blew their minds away, not with swords, not with rhetoric, not going out there blasting people. The only people Jesus ever blasted were Christians, were Christ followers, were people that were already following God's principles. He blasted them. He didn't expect the world to change. He expected the church to change, to change the world. When we actually change ourselves, And all become humble and submit to the idea that we're all going to move together. Look, I can't make you do these things. I can't make you pray for the next 21 days. I can't make you do a Bible study. I can't make you fast something. But I challenge you that if you want to see the greatest move of God Evansville's ever seen, commit yourself to this. Devote yourself to this. There's something that A.W. Tozer wrote in The Pursuit of God that I just love, and it says this. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos are all tuned to the same fork or automatically tuned to each other? 
They are in one accord, being tuned not to each other, but to another standard, to each one much individually bow. So hundreds of worshipers met together, each looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity, become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. This is what that means. If you try to do this on your own without God, we're not going to be any closer. Unified in spirit or in movement. The only way this happens is as each one of us decides, Jesus, we, me, I am going to make the decision to submit and join the movement. Join and be a part of this 21 days of prayer. Join and be part of this Bible study. Join and be part of this fast. You know, I, when listening to this, uh, I wanted to finish it by saying this. This is what I want for every one of us. To commit, to submit. Commit yourself to submit yourself to this process. You know, maybe you're watching online and you're like, how do I join? I don't have one of the books. Go to thehillschurch.info daily. Click there. The devotion will be there. The study will be there tonight. What will be on there is how to do a fast. There's so many different ways in here. Like I said, please, please hear me on this. If you've never done, you know, an extended fast where food's related, be smart. Don't dive in head first. Okay? It's a shallow pool. We want you to be smart. But we, everybody needs to fast something. Maybe it's just not cussing. Show your kids what a revolution that'll be. Be like, oh, my mom knows other words. That's what I'm going to challenge my mom to do. She doesn't know that today. I'm going to be like, mom, for 21 days, I want you not to cuss and see if you explode. I love my mama, but she cusses like a sailor. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you'd say to me this morning, Daryl, I, I want to do what you're doing, but I'm not even a Christ follower. I, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Will you raise your hand just so I can pray for you real quick? You've never accepted Jesus into your heart, but you want to today. Will you raise your hand with me? Thank you. Everybody in this place, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you today to be my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend. Jesus, I commit the next 21 days to you. I devote myself and my spirit to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.